ora and welcome to Goodfellow Podcasts. This episode is kindly supported by the Auckland Faculty of the Royal New Zealand College of General Practitioners. I'm Dr. Louise Kugler and today I welcome Dr. Paul Jarrett to the podcast to discuss hair loss in your female patient. Paul is a dermatologist working at Counties Manukau Health and the University of Auckland. His primary interest is medical dermatology. Kia ora, Paul, and welcome. Thank you for inviting me. So, Paul, we're going to start with a case. A 50-year-old female, Mrs M, presents to your primary care practice. She is becoming increasingly distressed with her hair loss. She reports handfuls of hair falling out. She has a ponytail which has 50% less bulk, and she notices hair on her pillow, shoulders of her jacket, and the bathroom floor. She washes her hair once a week with an eco-friendly shampoo. She does not dye her hair and she is otherwise well. She is perimenopausal and is taking combined menopause hormone treatment. So Paul, from this case, what more in the history do we need to ask about? Well, thank you, Louise. Before I answer that question, just to take one step back and to make a clinical point that women often recognise that they have significant hair loss before it becomes clinically apparent. And in our case here, the lady has felt a ponytail and it has less bulk. And the doctor examining them may not recognise significant hair loss. So the history is key to wait in this scenario. So important things that you'd want to consider in the history is, has there been recent severe illness? For example, hospital admission and subsequent telogen and effluvium where the hair falls out. Are the features of polycystic ovarian syndrome? Changes in medication can be important. For example, methotrexate can cause hair loss. And are there any other clues to a systemic disorder that may be associated with hair loss in this woman? For example, iron deficiency, thyroid disease. Does she have any other inflammatory dermatosis? For example, Severe eczema affecting the scalp can cause hair loss. It's important to remember that infectious disease can cause hair loss. And the thing that's always forgotten about is syphilis. And once in a while, you might pick that up in the right setting. And primary hair infestations on the ward. I've seen some adults with head lice, for example. So you have to look for them because they get itchy and scratchy and the hair gets inflamed and fall out. And hairstyling. For example, traction alopecia, where the hair is styled back and pulled in a tight bun, pulls the hair out and that eventually becomes permanent. So cast a wide scope. So before we move on to examine Mrs M, what exactly are we looking for? So hair loss can be classified into scarring or non-scarring. It could be diffuse or it could be focal. So examining the pattern of hair loss will help to give the diagnosis. So clinically, it's very important to look thoroughly through the hair. And I found a useful trick is to use a pen, particularly with women with long hair, so that the pen then parts the hair so you can look through the hair to the scalp line and work systematically around the scalp. So I'd often start at the right hand and I go right the way around to the left-hand side, and then go right over the top as well. So you have a system. A system means that you won't miss anything. Demoscopy can be useful as well. 
And if you put the dermatoscope onto the hair itself, you can examine the hair shafts. So if the hair loss is diffuse, we might see that in iron deficiency, for example. If it's focal and non-scarring, that may be alopecia areata. Or if there's scarring and loss of the hair follicles, that implies a different pathology, for example, discoid lupus. Frontal fibrosing alopecia is a disorder that affects the front of the hairline primarily, and it leads to progressive baldness in women. And also look for the pattern of inflammation. So scalp eczema can be very diffuse, or if somebody has lichen simplex chronicus, a really itchy bit infecting one part of the scalp, the scalp will be lichenified in that area associated with hair loss. And the hair itself may be fractured from constant rubbing. Another good thing to do is to look at the hair follicle itself. And for conditions such as lichen planus, there's often a little bit of scale around the hair follicle. So look generally and look specifically. Thank you. That's a great tip. So Paul, are there other body systems then that we need to examine? Absolutely. The hair can be a manifestation of a systemic disorder. For example, if there are signs of polycystic ovarian syndrome, perhaps a person with a larger BMI and insulin resistance. Hair loss in the scalp may be reflected by hair loss elsewhere. For example, extensive alopecia areata, alopecia universalis, other hair loss will occur. Nails are quite good to examine because there can be pitting, for example, or alopecia areata, psoriasis. So a full skin check may be indicated, for example, if the person has adult atopic eczema. Cutaneous lupus can involve the scalp, but can also involve the trunk. So a skin check would be important. Don't forget the mucous membranes as well. For example, if the woman has lichen planus, that may affect the mouth. And unless you ask for it, the genital skin may be involved. And some women are reluctant to volunteer that history that they might have erosion or discomfort in the genital skin. So I explicitly ask about that in the right context. And as I mentioned earlier, thyroid examination, um, hypo or hyperthyroidism, it's always good to have that in the back of the mind. And as I mentioned, iron deficiency as well. And that examination will be guided by symptoms such as menorrhagia, um, rectal blood loss, for example. So, Paul, we're starting to form a differential diagnosis. What should this include? Now, if we conclude that she has diffuse hair loss without scarring, with hair loss mainly over the mid-frontal scalp, without significant inflammation, then female pattern hair loss is the most likely diagnosis. It's less likely to be alopecia areata, as that is usually focal, rather than global, although there is a variant of alopecia areata where there is diffuse hair loss. Similarly with iron deficiency, where the hair loss is diffuse, the same with thyroid disease. Telogen effluvium and drug-related hair loss can be excluded on the basis of a history. So there's no recent illness, no recent addition of a medication. And the absence of scarring then Unusual disorders like discoid lupus can be excluded. Scalp eczema can be excluded as well. And just a reminder that occasionally there may be more than one pathology in a woman 
who may have female pattern hair loss and iron deficiency, the two may go together. So it's always good to think widely rather than narrowly to start with. Investigations. Do we need to order bloods in this woman? And if so, what would we order? Yes, I would in the clinic. If we're suspecting female pattern hair loss, then it's useful to do a broad screen. So my standard investigations would be full blood count, use and ease creatinine, iron studies, ANA, thyroid studies, and occasionally, where relevant, syphilis serology. And if this lady has signs of polycystic ovarian disease, then you might consider sex hormones. A scalp biopsy for female pattern hair loss is usually not necessary. It's a clinical diagnosis and you exclude it on the basis of your other blood tests. So Paul, we review Mrs. M two weeks later with her investigations, which have come back and are all normal. So we continue with our working diagnosis of female pattern hair loss. How common is this condition? Common, common. Depending on how you define it, it can start in very young women, even in their 20s. And it's very, very prevalent in women over 60 to 70 years old. Most women, perhaps 60 or 70%, would have some features of this disorder. So what's the pathophysiology? It's complex. It's a complex polygenic disorder. There may be a family history in up to half of the women that have it. In men, there's a relationship to androgens, but it's less clear in women because women with this disorder often have normal testosterone. What happens with time is that the hair follicles spend less and less time in their growth phase and more and more time in their resting phase. And the hair follicles get smaller, they miniaturize, and eventually they will fibrose and they'll be gone. There may be perhaps a modification of the androgen receptor gene in the hair follicle. So how do we manage it, Paul? What is the treatment? The key is to acknowledge the distress that it causes women. And the key is also, as I mentioned right at the beginning, to what you and I might look completely normal hair is not to that woman. Because the woman's had her hair all her life and she knows what it's like. So acknowledgement of the problem is the key thing. It's a relief to have it acknowledged. My treatment of choice would be topical minoxidil to start with. It's a well-established treatment, but it's not funded, so they'll have to pay for it themselves. The key to using it is managing expectation and telling the woman she needs to use it in the long term. If they stop using it, any hair gain that they have will be lost, and they'll go back to the chronological point where they would be right now. So if they've used it for five years, They'll, go, they'll lose all of that hair and be even balder than when they started. So they have to continue to use it. Remember that it can cause irritancy. So scalp eczema is a feature of it. So to use topical minoxidil, be careful that it doesn't dribble onto non-hair bearing areas because you don't want hair where it shouldn't be. But apply it twice daily. You could put it on the part line and allow it to trickle through the scalp or rub it in through the scalp. Great. In is this something that we need to refer on to a dermatologist or is it something that GPs can confidently manage? I think it can be confidently managed in general practice if you're certain of the diagnosis. And the only time I would refer, if it's, if it's a bit odd, and if it's not the pattern that we've described and there may be scarring or diffuse loss or it's something strange, that's when a red flag should go up. But yes, confidently manage it. 
And a point that I should also make is it takes time for these treatments to work. So don't expect them to sprout hair in a few weeks, at least three to six months. So manage expectations in primary care. Thank you, Paul. And the outlook for these women? Act early. Again, going back to the woman who knows her head best. If you act early, there's the best chance that minoxidil will have a meaningful impact on their hair loss. If you wait for a long time and they get overt female pattern hair loss, the chances of significant recovery will be less. And it is important to tell the woman that it'll never go exactly back to the way it was, but you can expect some benefit with topical minoxidil. Thank you, Paul. And to conclude our podcast, please, your take-home messages for our listeners. So the first one is that women know when they're losing their hair, even though it may not be apparent to the doctor. I can't emphasise that enough. Like all medicine, take a careful history and a careful examination of the scalp and anything else that's necessary in the examination that I've discussed. I generally would do a routine set of tests and reverse the reversible. I've even seen that very marginal iron deficiency have a meaningful benefit to hair growth, even a borderline ferritin. If you correct that, that can be quite useful. Remember to manage the expectation of the woman, the time period that they're likely to expect some benefit, three to six months minimum, and also that their hair may never go back to the way it was when they were a teenager. My first choice would be topical minoxidil. Thank you, Paul, for your time today. It's been a pleasure talking to you. If you're a New Zealand GP and would like to claim CPD points for listening to this podcast, please log them. You'll find a list of resources on our website, goodfellowunit.org. Thanks for listening. Thank you.